0: Hi everyone, this is Jennifer. Welcome to the Corporate Flight Attendant Podcast. I've been a corporate flight attendant for over five and a half years, and I tell you the brutal honest truth of this industry. This is episode 29. Thank you guys for all the five-star reviews and ratings on Apple Podcasts lately. I love them, please keep them coming. I love this review from AJ. As a 17 year regional commercial flight attendant, first of all, wow, oh my gosh, that's awesome, I'm still gleaning some tips and tricks from this podcast. I'm 10 episodes in and looking forward to the rest. I say give this podcast a listen. Thank you so much, AJ. I really appreciate it. It really helps people find me on Apple Podcasts, so thank you. Make sure to check out freespiritpodcast.com. You can support this podcast and purchase my digital products and services made specifically for being a corporate flight attendant, including my corporate flight attendant book, and my corporate flight attendant list bundle which are both awesome and i see you guys have been buying lately and i really appreciate it sorry i have a dog who is chasing a fly right now (laughs) He won't stop, so I apologize for that if you're hearing that in the background. And if you're into the metaphysical and spiritual, check out my podcast, Two Inches Off the Ground, and you can always follow me at Two Inches Off the Ground on Instagram. Today's topic is one I'm really excited about. It is my craziest trip. Okay. Do not be scared or nervous of what I'm about to tell you. This trip is an anomaly. It only happened once and it has a good ending. So you're going to hear it and you're going to say, I don't think I can do this job being a corporate flight attendant. This is too much, but you know, we're all going to have a bad work day. We're all going to have a trip that goes haywire. It's just how it is. You know, when you think about it, I've done hundreds of trips. So the fact that one went this haywire and ended well you know, that's not bad, right? So hopefully you've learned something from this and I hope you get some entertainment value because I certainly have. (laughs) I was asked to do this last minute trip to Saudi Arabia, Croatia, and London. The principal, meaning the lead passenger, was new to owning a private jet And he was younger. By younger, I mean probably around somewhere between 35 to maybe 40. And he had a ton of energy. He had major ADHD. So that was a challenge in itself because he was someone you could not rein that energy in. And I just want to give you a warning on a new, younger owner. And I know 35 doesn't seem like it's younger for an owner, but it is. If you get an, an owner that's nineteen or something, that's a whole nother that's a whole nother thing. This guy just had a ton of energy and I understand that when you buy your first private jet, obviously it's a huge deal. You want to take all your friends, all your family, you wanna go all around the world and I understand that I would be the same way. I'd be like, let's go to Australia and then let's go to Bali and then let's go to Thailand and go to, you know, my family's house and In what is it Jackson Wyoming you know I get all that but as the corporate flight attendant or the pilots you have to realize what you're getting into I know people who've gotten into this situation where they say oh you're only gonna fly 12 days a month and I've said this before and then all of a sudden you're flying 28 days out of 30 days a month because it's a new owner They have a lot of energy. They wanna take their plane all around the world. So just be careful of that. That is a little bit red flaggy in this industry. New owner equals, they don't know their ass from their elbow. Well, it can be red flaggy in regard to you and you taking a job with a new owner. So that's my uh, diatribe about that one and I'm gonna stop there. So anyway, let's start talking about this trip. So we fly, it's the principal, again, the lead passenger, we are flying from Teterboro to Saudi, Saudi Arabia. We flew the principal and a Saudi prince. And I just want to say for those of you that don't know anything about Saudi Arabia, there's not one prince. There's so much royalty over there. That's why I said a prince that if you fly someone from Saudi Arabia, you will probably fly royalty. That's just normal. And he seemed, the prince seemed like a nice guy. But when we were flying over there, something was wrong with the airplane. Something wasn't working right with the pressurization system on the jet, but everything was pretty much fine. Then things started to go downhill fast. The prince lost his phone somewhere on the plane and we could not find it. I had pilots back there. You know, we were in cabin, we had flashlights, everyone was looking, we couldn't find it. Then we finally figured out it fell down into the space where the tray table is stored or the table is stored so if you think of a plane a private jet if you haven't seen one or even if you think of see that's hard to compare to commercial i'm not going to do that well you kind of can if you think on a commercial seat if you pull that tray table out there's a space there. That's what it's like on the private jet, except it's it's wooden and it's much bigger. And sometimes we call it the space of death or the hole of death or something like that because people's cell phones just magically disappear. So we still couldn't find it. Now we knew where it was, but we could not find it. We finally land in Saudi and still can't find the phone. It's so late at night by that point Um, It's been pretty much a 24 hour duty day, which isn't even really legal, but that's what ended up happening. We're exhausted, craziest customs I've ever seen in my life in the sense of the private jet pulls into the private jet area, right? We land and then we go up to the private jet area. From where you land to the lounge where the principals and the passengers wait, and where they wait for their transportation, it was like walking the length of every terminal at Newark Airport, or every terminal at LAX. That's how bad it was. I couldn't believe the walk. So we walk there, we're almost there, and then the principal turns around and says to the chief pilot, I forgot something on the plane I need. I think it was his wallet, and we were almost at the lounge. So this poor chief pilot, had to run back to the plane so imagine running imagine you're running through all these terminals right and he couldn't do it alone he had security he had saudi security so he had to go back he had to go back through customs i believe he had to go back to the plane he couldn't turn it on it was night he could not turn the plane on and he had to go back there with a flashlight and figure out where the swallet was it took a half an hour there was nothing he could do it was it was just uh it was just terrible so then We finally got the passengers off on their transportation. So they were gone and it took us forever to get transportation. I don't know what the deal was, but after pretty much a 24 hour duty day, we sat in that lounge for an hour and a half waiting for transportation. It was not good. Yeah, it was not good. Oh, and by the way, we still can't find that phone. The Prince's phone, we still can't find it, right? So we're there in Saudi for a couple days Uh, The pilots go back to the jet still can't find the phone. They're getting phone calls about the phone Of course, you know, he still wants the phone This poor prince has been without the phone for let's say a few days. He's Obviously not happy about it. So then we have to go from Saudi to Croatia Still no phone this time we fly a plane full of Saudi men including this prince And the pilots are still having issues with the pressurization system. So what ended up happening is the pilots talked to the principal and everyone agreed that they should just leave Saudi and go to Croatia because this pressurization system, it didn't seem to be that big of a deal. And also Croatia, it wasn't that far of a flight. So everyone agreed to do it. So on the flight, I'm already nervous because I have a plane full of Saudi men and this is my naivete. I will admit to this. I thought they were going to be extremely disrespectful to me. It was the complete opposite. They were some of the nicest passengers I've ever had, including they actually gave their dirty dishes and everything to me. They walked into the galley and gave it to me, which passengers usually don't do. So I was surprised how nice they were. I was nervous about the... Sorry my dog is chasing a fly <laughs> I'm watching him so anyway, I was nervous about you know this Saudi prince who's obviously now probably super pissed off that he doesn't have his phone. Remember I said the prince was nice originally and then he starts to change right he starts to change the people that he's flying with the men that he's flying with not the principal are starting to make jokes under their breath and i can hear them about how i stole the phone or how he thinks i stole the phone and they, we had this big oil guy um on the plane this big saudi oil guy and he said something and he didn't think he could hear me but it was something like yeah that's because he thinks you stole the phone or you took the phone or something like that so then it gets even weirder because the prince comes into the galley And he says to me, you know, I will give you guys, meaning me and the pilots, a reward if you give back my phone, if you mysteriously find the phone. So he thinks we took the phone. Now here's the deal. This guy's a bit of a dumbass, and I'll tell you why, is because on that phone, I'm sure he checked emails from his computer. So you can see, or from a computer, and you can see that we didn't open any emails. We didn't touch anything. We didn't read anything. So obviously... We're not doing anything with the phone, right? So he can, if he wanted to, he could have gone to the phone company and said, Is someone, you know, reading my texts and my emails? He could have synced it up with his iPad and saw that we weren't touching anything. So I thought that was weird because it could be easily checked on if we were doing anything with the phone. So anyway, he starts, let's just say, changing his tune and accusing me, but not super accusing me, just doing it in a very, passive aggressive way. He's accusing me of stealing this phone. So the vibe is just getting weirder and weirder. So then (laughs) if things aren't bad enough, the pressurization issue happened as we were descending. The airplane regulates pressure. So as you descend, it's automatic that the pressure is regulated, right? You need to regulate pressure because otherwise you die. Because if you're up at 40,000 feet, you have to have the pressure as if you're on the ground or else, right, things are bad. Then you just don't survive. When people go up to space, then you have to have the right pressurization system or you just die because you can't you know, as humans, we can't deal with the pressure in space. We can't deal with the pressure at 40,000 feet. So that's why there's a pressurization system in the plane, which makes sense, and I'm sure you all know. So it's an automatic system, but something went wrong with the system, so the pilots had to do it themselves. They had to do it manually. And it's a really hard thing to do, you guys. It's a really hard thing to do. It's a skill that you don't have to do all the time. And when you have to do it, it's not easy to do because you have to judge the exact moment that you start to bring down the pressure, bring up the pressure, right? Unfortunately, the pilot did it too soon. And all of a sudden, I'm doing dishes, I'm washing dishes in the galley, And the outside air or what feels like the outside air comes into the galley in a big whoosh. Now I didn't hear anything, but that's what it felt like, it was whoosh. And it was the coldest air I will probably ever feel in my entire life because it's, you know, the outside air from the plane (laughs) coming in, right? So um, I now know what death feels like. I now know what being frozen to death feels like. (laughs) So I can say I've had that experience. It was bad, the oxygen masks, they all dropped, so the passengers were all wearing the masks. I had to check on everything, check on the passengers, make sure everyone was doing okay. I kept the cabin door open so I could regulate safety, and I just kept washing the dishes. The turbulence wasn't that bad, and I just I just kept doing what I had to do, and everything went back to normal. We landed in Croatia, and it it was really bad for the chief pilot. Once he talked to the principal, it was not a good conversation. He got yelled at. I understand where the principal is coming from, especially being a new owner. I really do, but I don't think you have to talk to anyone that way, even if you're really upset. Luckily, he didn't do it in front of all the passengers. I think he was so upset because it made him look bad i didn't think it made him look bad you know everyone was safe there were no injuries one guy complained of a little headache but he was being a baby about it everyone was fine my thing is if you land fine and there's no injuries then you're fine also i want to say that i don't think i said this in my episode on how to talk to pilots you do not as a flight attendant ever comment on a pilot's landing ever this will get you in trouble even if you're like oh that was a little bumpy whatever they have their ego they take it to heart landing is a big deal to them it's just a thing with them so every time they land and if they ask you just say it was great nope i didn't feel anything everything was great that's how you're going to respond even with this whole thing that happened and it was a nightmare I still said to him something like, it was fine, don't even worry about it, it lasted a second, everyone was good. And that, that's the truth, but I, I really played it down to make him feel better. So we're on the ground in Croatia, and this chief pilot is super upset, understandably so. And oh, oh, oh wait, we still hadn't found the phone. That prince's phone? We still hadn't found the phone, okay? in the midst of all this now keep in mind we had to land in croatia and they had to call Gulfstream, and they had to call their mechanic and they had to figure it out uh, what the problem was on the plane and the whole thing but in the midst of this i had to talk to the chief pilot and tell him listen this is getting really bad this guy is accusing me of stealing the phone he told everyone on the plane i've stolen the phone they're all making jokes about it under their breaths can you please can we please tear apart this plane So this poor guy's under stress and he was nice enough to say, all right, once we deal with Gulfstream, let's tear the plane apart and let's figure it out. So here's what happens is he goes into that space, you know, the tray table space, the space of death, and he goes in with a flashlight and he sees just a speck, a speck of something shiny. And he goes down there with his hand, which you should never do, you guys. There's metal down there, there's rough edges down there. He was nice enough to do that. And he said, I feel something. Keep in mind, he had done this before, right? He had done this before, and then he said, I feel something, I feel the edge of something. And it took him a while, but he pulled out the phone And the phone was in perfect condition. And this poor guy's hand was bleeding because he had cut it. That's why I'm saying never go down there. And he couldn't do anything. He had to do it all by feel. He couldn't do it with the flashlight. But we got the phone. He called the principal. Everyone was cheering about the phone. And I I think the other pilot went to their hotel in a taxi and delivered the phone while everything was going on with Gulfstream. I think that's what happened. I certainly wasn't going to do it. So that was good that the pilot. That was that was good. The chief pilot became the hero of that. That gave him a little boost. That was a good thing. So now keep in mind where is Gulfstream, the base of Gulfstream? It's in Savannah, Georgia. The mechanic is back in, they're not even from New York. They're from LA. So the mechanic's back in LA. So how are you gonna get a new part if you need it? You now have to deal with Gulfstream in Russia. And that takes a while, right? Because they have to get the part from Russia to Croatia. So they finally figured out what was wrong. They finally arranged for the part to come from Russia. Luckily, we had something like two or three days on the ground in Croatia. We get to the hotel finally after another long day. We are fucking over it. I mean, it has been two days from hell. We're over it. (laughs) We go out to dinner. I remember it was a really nice dinner and then we go to a bar. So it's around 9, 10 p.m. at night. How I live my life on these trips, now I can't drink anymore because of the health issue I have, but you know, I would have a glass of wine after a really long day and that's it, and I'd be in bed by 9 p.m. at night because that's how I am. I'm I'm the person who's in bed at 8.30, so I know that's lame, but you know, I'm middle-aged kids. For those of you who are young and listening, you will be doing this at 44 years old too, so <laughs> I just wanna warn you, I'm middle-aged. So. The second pilot, we're at the bar, and the second pilot, okay, let me explain this first. I'm getting ahead of myself. The second pilot had, he was around 50 years old, and he had just gone through one of those knockdown, drag out, crazy divorces. And he was one of those people, I know you've met them, and if you haven't, you will. He's middle aged, he's 50, and he's like, I am fucking free. I am divorced. I want to fuck everything I possibly can. I want to party as hard as I possibly can. And that's the mindset he was in. So he asked if we would go to this nightclub with him. And we were both like, oh my God, we are going to be the old people in the nightclub. I wasn't really dressed for it. I was dressed nicely, but I was not dressed for a nightclub with 19-year-old Eastern European women. So I was just like, ugh. But he really wanted to go and I said, all right, let's just blow off some steam. And I was thinking, you know what? I'll be there for an hour, maybe two, and I'll be in bed by midnight, no big deal. I'll just, you know, I'll do this for the for the pilots and whatever. So he says he wants to do VIP and he's like, I'm gonna pay for the whole thing. So we get into the VIP section, which was kind of fun. And we blow off steam. I mean, everyone's just, the chief pilot is pounding down drinks. He's still mumbling about what happened that day. He's still upset. There was, what do you call those things? Glow sticks. So they had glow sticks and neon all on the dance floor. So the other pilot just goes out to the dance floor, the the newly divorced pilot. And he's just, he's just acting like he's in a mosh pit. He's going crazy with the glow sticks. It was kind of funny. It was, it was hilarious. I have to say that. And I'm watching these two pilots just get wasted. They are so drunk. And the chief pilot is, you know, it's opposite, right? It's totally opposite because the chief pilot is sitting there in the booth. He's hes just miserable. <laughs> he's drinking his sorrows away. And the newly divorced pilot is just happy as a clam. He's just parting his brains out, right? And then he hands me a drink. The, the second pilot hands me a drink. And I'm drinking it. And I'm saying, what is this? What am i drinking and i finally figured out it was a red bull and i never drank red bull i've had a red bull maybe 30 years ago when they first came out and it's just not my cup of tea i'm allergic to caffeine i'm allergic to taurine it's just not something i would drink so i down the whole thing not knowing what it was it was red bull and vodka and i was i wasn't drunk at all i was fine i was very lucid whatever so we finally drag <laughs> and we finally dragged the chief pilot out to the dance floor and we're dancing and partying, whatever, and we turn around, like all at the same time, I swear to God this happened, all of us at the same time turn around and guess, guess who just entered the VIP section. Take a guess, I know you're going to get it. That's right, the principal and the prince and some of the passengers from the plane. Uh, So that was just And they saw us, and we saw them, so we couldn't ignore each other. You know, they were cool about everything. We go up to them, and, you know, we talk and everything and the whole thing. We're talking, and I didn't talk much. I just said hi or or whatever, and that was it. The prince comes up to me, gives me a big hug, says, I guess that's." his way of apologizing because he was just like, thank you so much for finding the phone. I really appreciate it and blah, blah, blah. And so they were surrounded by these Eastern European girls who were, you know, 19, 20 that they were partying with. And I have to say the girls were were really, really nice girls. And then in the midst of this, this poor server in the VIP section is running around because we haven't paid for, for anything. I remember that part. That was funny because the newly divorced pilot said, I'm going to pay for everything, so I'm not paying for any of this because he ordered really expensive champagne. It might have actually been Cristal, and then he paid for the VIP tickets and the whole thing, or he was supposed to pay for them. So what ended up happening was, I guess this was his, I'm sorry, the prince ended up paying for all of that. So that was at least good. I just want to leave. You know, I'm tired. I want to leave. The chief pilot's a mess by this point. And the newly divorced pilot is grinding with some American tourist on the dance floor. No kidding, I'm not even kidding. And yes, kids, you can still grind with someone at 50. I've seen it. It's not pretty, but it happens. So anyway, I take the chief pilot with me and we go into a taxi and I thought he had money because I'm not paying for any of this. So we get back to the hotel and the guy, the taxi driver, says, okay, we're here, this is how much it costs. And it cost a lot because, you know, we were tourists and he was robbing us probably. And um, <laughs> I said to the, to the chief pilot, do you have cash? And he said, no, but you can take it out of my ATM. So somehow we got this completely drunk, stumbling around, mumbling around, chief pilot to the ATM, thank God it was in right in the hotel lobby. And so we take out the money, we pay the taxi driver. And the next part I just want to say... <laughs> I'm highly intuitive and I'm someone that can sense danger in a second. I did not feel I was putting myself in a dangerous position with what I'm about to say. But if you feel, you know, this is not comfortable for you, then you deal with it how you have to deal with it and you make sure you're not in danger. But again, I knew these pilots, nice guys, good guys, and I'm so sorry, my dog is sleeping and growling. Anyway, nice pilot, good guys. I did not feel in any danger. So I'm thinking, how am I getting this chief pilot in the hotel to his hotel room? I walk him through the hotel. I asked for his key. He showed me the key. Luckily, it had the you know the room number on it, on the envelope. So that was good. Walk him to his room. And I'm like, I am not going into this dude's room, right? Like that's where I'm not crossing the line so i put the key in the slot the door opens and i swear to god this is what i do i take my hand and i shove him into the room and he's stumbling and the room's dark so i can't really see anything i don't want to turn on the lights but i see the outline of the bed i see that he somehow made it to the bed that was good enough for me. I took the key, put it in the envelope and threw it in the room, threw it off the floor. And I just left because I was like, this is just, (laughs) this is way beyond my pay scale. But so that was that. Hey guys. So I went to play back the audio and something happened. So I am now finishing this podcast in my auto repair shop. There's nothing else I can do because I have no time between today and tomorrow. And um, I'm editing in the shop. So uh, I just want to end this in saying that uh, that was my craziest trip. There, (laughs) there's a little more the next morning we were trying to get the, the chief pilot up because he had a hangover and he got up by himself. So it wasn't a big deal. And we got the part from Russia and everything ended up fine. And it was pretty uneventful. We went from Croatia to, London and we dropped off the prince thank God I never have to see him again and uh, that was that was about it so I hope you enjoyed my craziest trip and do not be afraid because you know that's just how it goes other than that I just want to say that I'm hoping to drop my next episode on November 26th so that's Friday November 26th so always look in the morning for that and until next time happy Thanksgiving to all us Americans and happy flying. Sorry about the noise, guys. All right. I'll see you in two weeks.